We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artestis jumped over the scorer's table. Artestis in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, June 7th. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Two weeks in a row. We've managed to do a podcast uh, first time in a long time. Um, but this time of the year, it's it's kind of tough to, to scrape together topics, especially since I don't think we really want to dive super, super deep into each individual finals game. Uh, but we did have a lot to talk about from game three last night. We'll get into that. We'll talk. We'll kind of just jump all over, really. Uh, talk a little Kyrie, maybe some dark horse landing spots for Anthony Davis, and then just some other uh, kind of random NBA news that's going on right now with the draft a few weeks away. But Game three last night, were you able to watch in its entirety? Yeah, I was. I was as well. I, I think I made the prediction on the radio yesterday that I, I thought the Warriors would win uh, somewhere by somewhere between five and seven points, which Chris Liss corrected me and said, oh, so you think they'll win by six, uh, which is what I went with. <laughs> and it was pretty much immediately clear that the Warriors were going to have a lot of trouble scoring in that game. 
Um, right. It was, you know, they didn't go to the box and one that we saw at the end of game two. Um, you know, obviously the Warriors having a chance to, to, to scout that I think would have probably ripped it up. But I mean, they got to 109 points. Golden State scored exactly 109 in all three of these games, but it felt like they really, really had to work for every single point they scored. That went for Steph Curry as well, who had 47. Um, kind of surprised he didn't get to 50. I think he had 39 going into the fourth. And at that point, you know, you, you kind of thought he was going to shoot 20 times in the fourth quarter just to keep him in it. But um, this was a game that I, I think Toronto hit a lot of, you know, they, they shot 52% from the field as a team which is obviously very good but they also had a lot of timely shots you know some kind of fluky you know danny green hit a couple really tough threes fred van vliet had that rainbow three in the fourth quarter that was kind of the the unofficial dagger after the Kawhi leonard non-travel um i thought golden state was was uncharacteristically the victim of some pretty bad calls a couple goaltends went against them you know they were robbed of four points there um and just some some ticky tack calls kind of on and off the ball that that contributed but Overall, for me, the main story was just, you know, Golden State is finally on the other side of how the Cavaliers and, and specifically, you know, how LeBron have felt these last few years where the talent gap was just too much to overcome, even with Steph Curry playing one of the better playoff games that we've seen from him. Right. And as they had the footage of like um, Steph walking down the tunnel after the game, just like completely exhausted. And the first thought that went through my head was like, oh, this is now he knows how LeBron feels right. like having to do this um and so uh, yeah they just didn't have enough firepower like you know they started sean livingston he and jarebko went two for 10 combined which is clearly just not enough like i thought the raptors were going to pull out the box in one but at the same time maybe you know if you let steph get his and then try to limit everybody else that's just as good of a game plan in, in some ways it didn't really feel to me like they were content to let steph get his like i mean steph got to 47 on you know the typical steph shots Uh, a lot of step back threes some deep deep threes you know not they were they were not leaving him open or he was kind of letting him get to the rim and he he just had a great game um i mean his final shooting line didn't end up being you know all that great you know below 50 percent. but in a game where you're taking 31 shots as really the only offensive option um you know you can live with that certainly i thought he missed a lot of open shots too like he made the tough threes and he missed there was a couple in the corner there was one i think in the third quarter that would have brought them, you know, within seven or eight. And it was off a, off of a long rebound, came right back to him wide open on the wing and he, and he wasn't able to put it down. So, you know, even with the, the disparity in available talent between these two teams, it didn't really feel like it was quite as much of a runaway blowout as, as it looked like it might be at times. And even the final score, you know, implies it was 14 point difference, but it felt like the entire game it was between like seven and 12 points and every time golden state would would string two or three baskets together toronto would have an answer and that's really been the raptors mo i think going back to the bucks series where it was you know the bucks were were the team that was unable to to come up with an answer when toronto would make a run toronto always had an answer for milwaukee and we're seeing that again here but it's just really tough to analyze this series going forward because we 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 reportedly know that clay thompson's going to play in game four he says he's playing steve kerr you know was a little less definitive but i would be shocked if clay thompson you know after missing game three and they showed him on the bench i mean he wanted to play you could tell he was you know kind of rocking back in his seat he was hunched over he was fully dressed you know i I think it was a situation where if it was fully up to clay thompson he would have played 40 minutes last night so i I think we can expect him back for game four but durant's not going to be back in game four at this point, I don't know if he's coming back at all. I mean, I, I've heard, you know, there's a faction of people now that are saying he should just not come back because of the free agency situation. 
I get that argument, I guess, but I think we're forgetting that Kevin Durant is still a part of this team and (laughs) by all accounts, like is loved by his teammates and likes being on this team. I mean, regardless of what happens in, in three and a half weeks here, he's still just like any other player, you know, who would come back to to play in the in a series like this i mean we saw lebron play through in a an alleged broken hand i I don't know how much i believe that um knowing he was leaving last season there's just durant being healthy and you know word leaking two weeks from now that he could have come back but he didn't because of the free agency situation would be an even bigger catastrophe than than him coming back and getting hurt right like you would have to imagine that if he was healthy enough to play he would play like i just I, i i don't imagine any other scenario I think it's easy for us to say as guys who would like do anything to play in the NBA finals, but like, I truly believe like, I don't think Kevin Durant's that much different than anyone else who loves basketball. You know, if you, if you said, Hey, there's, you know, there's a chance you might, you might re-injure yourself or you could go play in game seven to decide the finals for your third straight title. What are you going to do, man? Like, of course you're going to play in that game. I I don't think that's the issue. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think anyone's really accusing KD of this, but whatever notion of him, sitting out to preserve his free agency value i think is just kind of ludicrous i agree and especially since like we all talk about how much durant cares about his legacy like with you know the warriors and all the the petty like you know burner accounts and everything like that for hit for it to come out like you said if he sat out when he wasn't re- when he could have played that's kind of a i want to say i mean it kind of is a hamper on his legacy if he did that and that's we everyone thinks that that's what he cares about the most. So that would just, I, I feel like that doesn't align with mm-hmm. what we know about Kevin Durant or the, the, what he's put out as his personality. Right. Durant or any player. I think he, he started to become this separate entity from the Warriors. And, you know, you kind of forget that he wants this title as much as anyone else does in the organization. So, I mean, that'll obviously be the, the specter that's hanging over the rest of the series. Um, you know, this time last week, we, we were under the impression that Durant might be back for game three and if not mm-hmm. game three, game four, you know, I think the, the quote that they put out there was the midway point in the series, yeah, which would be, I guess, halftime of last night's game. Um, so, you know, at this point, I don't know what to expect. I, I think best case, it sounds like, you know, realistic best case, probably game five at this point. Right. I mean, game six even i he hasn't really played basketball for all we know he's basically been limited to you know rehab type of work no on-court work you know maybe light shooting but you know no five on five no three on three right no full speed activity whatsoever um i guess the question is is the return of clay thompson assuming he's relatively healthy is able to play 35 plus minutes and you know, as a guy who doesn't really rely a ton on athleticism, you know, someone who can just give them anyone who's willing to shoot the three, which was, you know, we'll get into that in a second. But one of the bigger issues for Golden State offensively is the return of Clay, and you know, the the reuniting of the the Steph Clay Draymond big three with whatever you're maybe getting from Cousins. Um, is that enough to to claw back into the series if KD doesn't come back? I think I think it's enough. I mean, they're go- they're going to make it competitive if Clay Thompson's back. I don't think the I don't think the Raptors are going to win in five. You do you, know, do you think Toronto back. played well enough last night to win if Clay played for Golden State? I know that's kind of a big I think so. I mean, they hit so many shots. I mean, they were on fire. I mean, you know, every everyone had a good game. Every all yeah. the starters on Toronto, they all took at least ten shots. It all felt like they were all I mean, Kawhi I didn't even notice Kawhi Leonard. He scored thirty points. He had like a twenty three point second half, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Marcus All, they didn't the Warriors didn't have an answer for him. Like I I, I wrote down this note in the series in the series as a total Gasol is 26 points on 14 shots when guarded by Cousins or Looney like he's just dominating that matchup and those are the only two centers that Kerr 
really feels comfortable playing. Mm-hmm. Like he throws Bogut in there for six, seven, eight minutes. He didn't feel comfortable playing Cousins last night. I mean, the second half, no. Cousins was just he was played off the floor. Yeah, by by Gasol, by Ibaka, by virtually everyone. Right. Um, I think that was probably the bigger disappointment. You know, you can you could argue that maybe if Clay's fully healthy and he's back, you know, they Toronto doesn't shoot it that well because he's there on D. But you know, at that point, you're going into some pretty deep hypotheticals, but. Golden State getting absolutely nothing out of Cousins, and if anything, providing negative value. I mean, he had some really, really bad turnovers in the half court, a couple passes thrown out of bounds. Um, but I think defensively is where both he and Jarebko, I mean, it was just seek those guys out, put them in a pick and roll, go one-on-one and blow right by. And I believe Cousins started the second half and played like five minutes, and that was about it. I mean, he was, you know, you and I were were discussing, um, you know, the single game DFS and whatnot this past week. And like everybody was in agreement that you had to have Cousins in your lineup last night. And right. I mean, he was as big of a negative. I, th- I think he probably played worse last night than he did in game one. Yeah, I'm, I, I would imagine so. He had a 48 offensive rating, which is it's, like, it's hard to explain how terrible that is. But yeah, I mean, the you know, whenever Siakam had Jarebko uh, switched on him, you know, he would he would, you know, do just he would just get to the rim every single time. And that's another thing, too. The Warriors were giving up tons of shots at the rim. Mm-hmm. And I think that's partially a function of Clay Thompson not being there, you know, because yeah. I mean, when the Warriors are effectively missing two of their best three defenders, not only yes. two of their best I three offensive players. Clay, usually they would miss Clay more on the defensive end. I think last night was an exception just because how many times did Curry get into the lane or Draymond get into the lane? You know, he's kind of at that eight, nine foot mark right inside the elbow. And, you know, you can either put up a contested floater or you kick out. Usually that kick is going to Durant or Clay. And if they're covered, then they kick it to one of the other guys who's, you know, going to drain that three. Last night, you know, Draymond's kicking out to Iguodala, who's wide open, doesn't even look at the rim. Yeah. Swings it to Sean Livingston, who has two career made three pointers in his entire playoff career. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were, there were times when it was, if, if the ball wasn't in the hands of Cook or Jarebko, they were just waiting for Curry to run around a screen and, and lob something up with three seconds left on the shot clock. Right. And I think that, yeah, and Thompson being out, I think it makes it even harder. It's it's ironic because with Thompson out, you want to play Cousins because he can provide some offense. But when Thompson's defense isn't there, it's easier for Cousins to get exposed defensively because everyone's charging at him on the rim. He has to do you know other things. And so, I mean, Thompson is having Thompson on the court is really valuable for being able to put DeMarcus Cousins on the court too and so it all just kind of compounded um, Mm -hmm. into what we saw and you know the Warriors just couldn't they just couldn't do anything they just couldn't get ahead uh well before we go any further we do have live breaking news on the podcast there is uh, there has been the Brooklyn Nets are trading Alan Crabb and the number 17 pick in this year's draft as well as a protected first in next year's draft to the Atlanta Hawks for Torian Prince and a future second rounder who knows if they end up even getting that pick uh this is clearly a cap clearing move uh by brooklyn so that that clears up about 18 million for next season and gets them dangerously close to double max yeah coincidentally uh kyrie irving this is hanging out in new york <laughs> Stephen a smith uh anthony puccio who's actually on this podcast this past uh this past regular season uh was kind of spearheading the reporting that the nets are at least by some believed to be the favorite now for Kyrie. Um, so I'm looking at Crab's contract right now. He's under under contract for 18 and a half next year. So Atlanta, 
I mean, we've talked about them as kind of the one of the few teams that's willing to take these type of deals. I think we, we, are, we yeah. discussed them in in context of Milwaukee, you know, looking to get rid of that Tony Snell contract. So this yep. is, in a roundabout way, not good news for the Bucks because you know Atlanta is now using a big chunk of their space on Allen Crab, um, and they send back Torian Prince, who has three point five million next yeah. year. That's his last deal. year of his rookie deal, right? Yeah, and then you start getting into qualifying offers, team options, and whatnot. Sure. Um, all in all, though, I mean, I, I feel like this is a a pretty solid move. It's for, like a fair trade. Yeah, for both no, sides, absolutely. Really. I mean, we'll have to see what the protections are on that 2020 pick. I think that's kind of the big thing. Like 17 in this draft, I mean, I guess that's – I think that's the spot that Atlanta got John Collins a few years ago. So maybe they feel like they can get some pretty good value. I mean, it's right around where they got Torian Prince, I guess, as well. Um, I mean, they were shopping Prince last year, so I don't, I don't think they value him too heavily. But I think this is almost a better deal for Brooklyn. I mean – you're implying that they're getting at least one and by trying to clear two max spots, probably two guys. Um, so if, if that ends up happening, obviously it's a great trade, but just getting out of that crab money either way and bringing back someone in Prince who's arguably better, if not, if not like just as good as Alan Crab, Probably better than Alan Crab. I right? think so, right? Yeah. Um, I think he became pretty underrated, Prince, this year. He was injured and they had, you know, they had Herder and, and Bazemore who played pretty well. Right. And yeah, I mean, yeah, the the draft being as you know allegedly shallow as it is, seventeen is probably not that bad, you know, for Brooklyn. And I mean, it, it, it's dangerous when you start trading picks like three. You know, I guess it's not three years down the line; it's twenty twenty. But um, and we don't know the protections on it yet necessarily. But yeah, I mean, if they they must be relatively convinced that they're gonna get one or two max guys, and at the same time, even if they strike out, they probably figure they'll be good enough. To yeah. where the t- that twenty twenty pick is just middle of the road anyway. I think that's just a good deal either way. Like like you said, I mean, I so Woj just tweeted uh, right now the twenty twenty pick is lottery protected. Oh, okay, which is actually kind of surprising. That's a fairly decent chunk of money to take on next year. Um, although, and you can also read into it from the other side. I mean, this basically not that this is a surprise, but basically signals that Atlanta is pushing back its timeline at least one year. Yeah, I mean, it really seems like Atlanta is going to because Tory Prince like looks like he's going to be a solid role player in the league, like a starter for a lot of his career, at least in my opinion. So it seems like what Atlanta is doing is just trying to, I mean, they're they're obviously doing like you know the process more or less, but just trying to if if player if they don't think player X is going to be a star, get what value for them that they can and just move on, um, you know. Because you figure you can fill in with role players later through free agency and stuff like that, and if you know you're if you're tanking the points, just really to try to get as many stars as possible, and then mm-hmm. um, so if they didn't think Prince was going to be that, then you know yeah, why not? Why not get two? Yeah. You know, basically draft picks in the mid to yeah in the early teens. I mean, if I'm Atlanta, I would have wanted that protection maybe to only extend like one through eight i'm sure they tried to get that um or even one through ten based on you know the new lottery rules like i think you even if you can just get into the lottery you know you just want that that one percent chance that you can move up um so that's a little bit surprising but uh this podcast is just going to be us reading live Woj tweets he, okay. he now tweeted kyrie irving is serious about the nets and the nets are serious about beating the knicks and the rest of the league to the biggest free agents in the marketplace per league sources so Usually when this stuff happens, we just have to speculate. The Nets are apparently just leaking that, yes, we are trying to clear two max slots. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty obvious. So, I mean, now, I mean, is it fair to say they're they're trying to beat the Knicks for Durant and Irving? I think, yeah, why not? I mean, that's, you 
That's what you're doing when you make two max slots. Yeah. And that would just be like a complete... Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what the Nets have always wanted is just the, the big slap in the face to the Knicks. And this, I mean, this would be it. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Nets have... I think I think a lot of this is a function of how the Nets built their team, you know, after... Um, just kind of after the disaster that the team was for for so long, like following the you know the trade for Garnett and Pierce and all those not guys, not that long ago, not that long ago. Um, Kenny Atkinson has obviously proven to be a great coach. Sean Marks has made great moves as a GM, and not like selfish team moves where he's trading guys to bad places and stuff like that. Like you know, allegedly agents notice those things when organizations are good to players, mm-hmm. and so I think by all accounts, the Nets have done everything they can to make themselves appear to be a well-meaning like smart um franchise that can you know that can foster a super team potentially well i know there's been some minor pushback to people you know just lobbing all this praise on sean marks you know because there really haven't been results just yet but i mean since they hired him in i think it was right around the the all-star break in 2016 there have just been, there have been like no missteps whatsoever. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, every yeah. yeah, every little signing has been perfect. Every you know, even taking the gamble on D'Angelo Russell, you know, it's not like he's the next Steph Curry, but you know, he's certainly that's turned out about as well as it possibly could have, right. considering what his value was and his perception was when he left LA. And and like you said, I think even bigger is, you know, you never hear anybody from the Nets complain about the organization. You know, I think they have the state of the art facility. They've they've kind yeah. of reinvested in all the things that went to waste under Prokhorov and they've been out of like the, the media loop for so long, really until, until like the second half of this year, you know, still there are people that don't really take the net seriously. Yeah. And you kind of wonder like, what, what is it about the Knicks that would propel them over the nets when you're talking about, you know, big time free agency decisions, you know, both, both teams are located in New York guys who are 25, 26, 27 years old right now, don't remember the Knicks nostalgia. I mean, so it's, it in a lot of ways, it's like the Lakers nostalgia. You know, there's yeah. I think for the Knicks, there's less to to hang your hat on in terms of banners. But you know, if you're Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, what is your childhood memories of the New York Knicks? You know, you, you maybe vaguely remember the Larry Johnson, Sprewell, end of the Ewing era teams, and, yeah. and you know those teams didn't win anything. Probably remember the Vince Carter era Nets more. Right. That, <laughs> well, I mean, your biggest memories are probably well. That's yeah, back-to-back finals for those for those Nets teams. Yeah. Your memories of the Knicks are the Phil Jackson debacle, the Isaiah Thomas debacle, Amari um, Stoudemire. Right. I mean, like, in the same way that ten-year-old kids now are going to think of the Lakers in ten years, unless you know, unless they do th- turn things around. Sure. Um, I mean, for most of our coherent basketball lives, the Knicks have just not been relevant. So, I think it's harder to sell these younger guys on this past that is now so distant. You know that that it would kind of give you this this unseen advantage over the other new york team right and it's i mean the main thing is you know everyone makes a big deal about madison square garden but like i'm sure barclays Barclays is really nice (laughs) i think maybe this is just me but like the the way they design like the wood on the court like that that looks like an awesome place to play like if i'm playing on a neutral court on 2k barclays (laughs) is in like my top three that i pick um okay well we'll we'll continue to monitor Woj's Twitter feed. Um I, the Nets might have to make another move or two to actually get to uh double max space, but I, I think I, they'll I think they'll find a way to get there. D'Angelo Russell just gone at that point? He's just gotta be, right? Just he just becomes uh essentially an unrestricted free agent. I mean it's it, i don't to me this wouldn't be like an Isaiah Thomas situation, you know, or anything like that, but 
you know, he's kind of like a two-year rental. And anybody who's in their right mind would say that you'd rather have Kyrie over D'Angelo, right? Yeah, I'm just saying you can't play them together. I, w- I wouldn't. I mean, I, I would rather have, I would rather play Dinwiddie, you know, or just have Dinwiddie yeah. at a much cheaper price. Right. Um, and even, I don't even, is it even feasible for them to bring back Russell? That, well, that's that's kind of what I was possibly getting to. Is yeah. I don't know if they can even keep him. Like, I'm sure they, financially, they probably, makes more sense just to let him go if they, yeah, if they even have the possibility. Like, I think to keep him, they'd have to trade, like, yeah. Dinwiddie and, like, a, you know, all those guys. So. I, yeah, there's some possibility of you signed you signed Durant hypothetically and then maybe you keep Russell if you can't get Kyrie but I if if you're signing Kyrie or even Kemba Walker you know somebody like that a guard I I don't think you want Russell as the second guy yeah I was just about to say Kemba Walker too like if you strike out on Kyrie Kemba's still there and if you had Kemba and KD like yeah New York guy that wouldn't be the worst thing I would I wouldn't hate that for Brooklyn not at all um so yeah to close on this Atlanta now has picks 8 10 and 17 not bad (sighs) so if you know if you're looking at a team you know let's say let's say the knicks pass on barrett for whatever reason you know they don't feel he's a good he's a good fit with whichever free agents yeah if if he slides to four i mean atlanta is now by far the team in position to to make a move up probably not into the top three i I don't think i don't think eight ten and 17 gets you to three or two no i mean unless you one i don't know if you could do that plus like herder i don't know what they can even throw in you know what i mean they have to start really digging deep Mm -hmm. um and maybe i mean maybe they do that because if they trade prince I mean, I I feel like they're they'd be willing to trade Herter if it right. was for someone with like Barrett's upside. Is anyone on that roster like completely untouchable right now? I actually think Trey Young and John Collins are probably untouchable. At least, I mean, it, that's I don't think Collins is totally untouchable. Not totally yeah, untouchable. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if the Lakers say Collins straight up for LeBron James, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna right. do that. But but he averaged he averaged twenty and ten this year. I mean, he's great. Yeah, I yeah. I'm just saying, you know, like if if the Pelicans said give us John Collins and all your draft picks and your picks next year for for the number one pick oh you know like in that case i think you're willing yeah um but no trey young is interesting because even for his faults you know defensively especially that don't necessarily project to get a whole lot better like i feel like he played so well and like captivated for lack of a better term yeah like Like, it would be really tough to like just cut bait on that right now not that i think they're going to but um just a thought exercise anything else on game three um no i think i think we I think we covered most of it yeah i think the return of clay won't solve all of golden state's problems but just the the biggest issue for me watching was when you're when you're two guards that you've depended on off the bench throughout this entire run livingston and iguodala don't shoot threes like it was just glaringly obvious that they needed somebody out there to shoot and i mean luckily jonas Repko was more than happy to fire up shots um uh, but so i saw i saw now that clay thompson is back i don't know if it changed at all the warriors i think open or they're now five and a half point favorites do you think that's fair like what would you what would you take in that case warriors five and a half point favorites for game four uh now it's down to five. Oh boy um i mean now it's kind of nice that we just at least game by game know kd's status a little bit ahead yeah. of time you know like it would be a complete mess if kd was still fully questionable but yesterday they were or not yeah yesterday they were minus four and a half when i checked but that was before the clay news although i assumed everyone thought clay was out so. yeah i think so too so clay's I, in but the line's essentially the same mm-hmm. I, w- I would say i would take the raptors side of that i plus five yeah yeah, yeah. I, th- I think golden state like you know gun to my head i think golden state wins the game but i i wouldn't say they win it that comfortably right i would i would agree actually i was thinking mm-hmm. raptors plus five is probably solid 
Um, so yeah, we had we had Kyrie to the Nets as a talking point here, but I think we basically just covered that. Yeah. Um, although, is there anything you want to hit on like that hypothetical as far as like what is his fit with with the rest of these guys? I mean, my concern my concern concern is essentially if Kyrie goes to the Nets and no one else does, like he, there there isn't a second max free agent. Because if Kyrie just goes to the Nets with essentially the roster that they have now, he's just going from like one of these young, experienced teams where he had issues to another young, young, unexperienced team that has even less playoff experience than the Celtics did. So I feel like the same issues would arise there. So I feel like if you're, I feel like having a second max player with Kyrie has to be a priority, or else you might start running into the same issues that exactly. he ran into in Boston and possibly mm-hmm. even worse. I, yeah, I do wonder if this past season was kind of like a reiteration that Kyrie Irving is for sure a superstar, but is not a one man number one show. Right. I mean, yeah. I, and I think, I think there are probably seven guys in the league who, who are that one guy and you put, you put enough around them and you're going to be very good. Right. And I feel like this past year, if you talk about like building a, a really deep supporting cast with a great system and a great coach around someone like, I don't, I don't see a scenario in which Kyrie Irving could be the best player on a team and, have it go worse than that you know like he was put in a really good spot um (laughs) you know like obviously he's had better teams in cleveland but he wasn't the best player like i don't know if you could have put a better team around him of guys who aren't better than him and have it go like that so you know if you're brooklyn i think i think every team has this probable probably irrational confidence to say like well that happened in boston but we'll you know we'll make sure it doesn't happen here and i think brooklyn would still welcome him if they're not able to get kd or whoever else you know they're not just going to turn him away um but yeah, I think if you're bringing in Kyrie, you you now want him to be a co-star rather than the star of the show. Yeah, I agree. So who else? If it's not KD, let's say KD is committed or Rich Kleiman is committed to the Knicks. You know, like is is Kyrie and Jimmy Butler? I mean, I've, personality-wise, I would love to see how that goes. I think I actually think they might they might I mean they might fit together. I I mean Jimmy Butler that. That would at least help clear up some like backcourt defense issues. You, know, you just have Kyrie guard the the worst of the shooting guard point guard um, of the other team. Mm-hmm. But I don't know who else is available for them. I mean, Tobias Harris wouldn't get the max, but he's a guy that I mean, if you couldn't, yeah. let's say you couldn't get a second max player, but you got like Kyrie, Tobias Harris, and like Vucevic or something. Right. You know what I mean? It's like that would feel like a disappointment, but would still be a really it'd still good be team. a good team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, and the, part of the thing too is like in some ways it's like um you know when KD went to golden state obviously he made golden state better but he also made okc that much worse where like right. you take kyrie out of boston and bring him to brooklyn you're making the nets better and you're also destroying one of the teams that was ahead of them in the standings so yeah. at that point you know you look obviously it's tough to say now before free agency but how many teams in the east would be better than a nets team with that core that you just mentioned and that's kind of their backup plan right so and, you know milwaukee yeah. i think is kind of the incumbent number one assuming they bring everybody back Kawhi might leave I don't I don't think Kawhi's coming back and and like we've talked about even if he does they're gonna have to do some serious maneuvering around him like this yeah. team like Gasol's not coming back you know Ibaka is getting up there Lowry's getting up there like none of those guys besides Siakam you know you really feel great about as like long-term future starters you know Van Vliet maybe based on how he's played um I did see some people suggest that Toronto could get in on on the Davis sweepstakes it would be a good idea to try yeah, because I mean, that would you, require Siakam. Because you could probably get, I would maybe you could, you would probably do the deal on the condition that Kawhi stays for one more year. So you, yeah, that's the thing. Bringing Davis to Canada 
you know, which is probably like one of his bottom five destinations <laughs> without Kawhi on a one year, like you, that yeah. even by Masai standards, that would be too much. It would be, I, I, I think Kawhi, that might entice Kawhi to stay one more year. And then from there, sure, you yeah. know, you hope that you can retain both players, obviously. Right. You could see Kawhi sign, you know, the one plus one, the Durant LeBron contract. Davis is essentially on that contract being right. expiring. And then, yeah, pair those guys for one year. And then I can't imagine a scenario in which that goes badly. I mean, those Injuries are two guys are the only right. If they both play 50 games or whatever. Yeah. Well, they could just play every other game and then play in the playoffs together. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like two like two superstars who can absolutely slot into any situation you know you're never worried about like oh will davis fit with this guy it's like no he's anthony davis he's a great big man who can do everything yeah. Kawhi leonard is maybe the most malleable superstar you know durant's probably in that category as well and but if, if there's a way to keep marcus all also and he's got player option if he accepts the right. player option i don't know how the salaries will work out in yeah. that case you might have to dump a baka try to keep lowry obviously i'm i'm maybe a firm not. believer in know. I think we've seen the strategy work enough now in the last like seven years that if you can just get two top seven players in the league, like guys will come flocking to you to play for right. less money. You know, like, that's never been an issue really until this year for Golden State, and it really is only an issue for them because of all the injuries. You know, I mean, we've seen other teams just, you know, the, the Heat gutted their entire roster to sign the big three and were able to put together a pretty solid veteran supporting cast, and I, I think Toronto would be able to do the same. Well, and if they like each other, like if they have really good, you know, chemistry it's so much it's really hard for them to be like okay we want to play together but not here and like they're like automatically have some you know second team to go to that's cleared out two max slots like people are doing it this year but it's kind of an exception to the rule and chances are it may not be a team that um you know it may not be a team that's as enticing as a team that plays in new york so i mean i think i think toronto should probably get in on the on the sweepstakes if they can like i don't like why not you could you could go back-to-back titles potentially if toronto wins how weird would that be yeah one title with Kawhi as a rental one title with davis as a rental and they both Um, leave yeah i mean that's (laughs) that's certainly one of the one of the more intriguing scenarios i mean the other thing too with brooklyn and it's i'm not enough of like a cap genius to like to know how this stuff all works but when you have this much cap space you can now absorb more money in trades too so right you know i mean we last week we talked about all the possibilities with houston um you know i don't think they're really a chris paul option by any means but that type of deal you know trading for a veteran on a big contract is is now something they could at least consider um especially you know due to the fact that they have another pick in this draft they have other young players that are somewhat appealing you know the dinwiddie types um that, that could be had in other trades so you wrote down a couple a couple other dark horse landing spots for davis yeah and I'll, I'll just let you read through a couple of those and, and and tell me what you're thinking sure um i have houston potentially davis for capella and tucker um i just figure daryl morley daryl morley daryl morey kind of talked about blowing the team up um to some extent or at least getting a switch up and i think obviously chris paul's hard to move but if you can get anthony davis paired up with chris paul and james hargan that's a huge win and you kind of get rid of capella's um not rig of capella's contract but i think at this point you know with chris paul aging you would rather have one year of anthony davis and then figure out the center spot later than have you know capella and keep running this thing back um and including tucker just makes a salary work and that's probably what you know i I assume the pelicans would want tucker or at least to trade him to a third team yeah for a pick or something yeah i mean i think houston would have to do what they tried to do for Butler last summer, which is just, we'll give you every draft pick that we're allowed to trade in yeah. addition to this, because 
I mean, I think Capella's appealing, but I think I think we hit on this last week. Like only certain teams would value Capella the same way that Houston valued him last summer. And and I I think you're right to say that like they're not trying to dump that contract, but I don't think it would be the worst thing for them. You know, I think they saw sure. that once again his shortcomings were exposed pretty badly against Golden State. And obviously, you know, bringing in Davis, he does everything that Capella does on offense at a much better rate. Right. Plus he can shoot the three. You know, that's the big thing I think is you know, Houston's been kind of this poster boy team for everybody shoots threes, they're putting up 50 a game, and they've really never had a center who contributes to that. You know, it's Dwight yeah. Howard, and, you know, now it's Clint Capella, like these pretty uber-traditional type of centers. Like, imagine, Anthony, I mean, Anthony Davis isn't going to transform into Brooke Lopez and, and take eight threes a game, but just having that threat out there, I think, would yeah. bring another dimension that they've never really had at the five. Well, just spacing in general. Even yeah. if he's not at the three-point line, if he's at 19 feet or whatever, that's enough room for, you know, Hargan to dish a pass Anthony Davis is so tall that the person trying to close out on him, it's basically an open jump shot for him. Right. And there's always, you know, you know, pump fake and drive, all that. So I mean, I think I think this is a deal that Houston would I mean probably strongly consider. Um Oh yeah. I think I think Houston uh, would do anything short of Harden to get Davis. Yeah. Um and then I also have OKC in there. Um Davis and some filler for Steven Adams and Jeremy Grant. I this one is just mostly about you know the yeah you're gonna have to thunder. sell me on this one <laughs> no well the thunder the thunder thinking hey like we, I don't know if we're gonna be able to get over the hump with like Stephen Adams as our third guy Westbrook is not really an MVP caliber player anymore and so you just kind of go you hope that you can convince Davis to stay with Paul George and Russell Westbrook which is mm-hmm. that's a great core for the future um, and then for OKC I mean it's basically just about getting like Jeremy Grant maybe picks they'd they be getting davis for less than they got uh paul george yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know i mean I, I love the idea of like that big three but i just don't think they have i don't think they have the horse they have to trade paul george i think to get davis and then i think you're just you know, yeah. you're kind of back to where you were this past year i mean is there a scenario in which russell westbrook is traded maybe not for davis but like what would it take for okc to pull the trigger on that like they're in kind of the ultimate this is an objectively bad contract going forward, but right. this guy means more to us. You know, he's Russell Westbrook is twice as valuable to the Thunder than he is to any other team. Yeah, I think. And even if you want to count like off court and fan relations, however you quantify that, that number is probably three or four times more valuable. I really don't know the scenario. I mean, it would have to be, it might just have to be one of those like your bad contract for my bad contract yeah. sort of a deal. Send you know, him one, to Miami for three of their bad deals. Yeah. Yeah, it would, I think it would end up being like a really underwhelming trade where people would be shocked at the names that are going back. Right. You know, I mean, he's in he's getting close to Chris Paul, John Wall type of territory. I mean, he's still a better player, I think, and, you know, certainly more durable, I guess. At the, I mean, and he's somebody who's bang, relatively banged up, but, you know, at least he's going to give you a few more good years, you know, as a whether he's helping you win or not, he's at least going to be out there. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, it's something they're going to have to consider at some point. Yeah, I agree um the last trade i have down here is detroit for either griffin or drummond in what is essentially a salary dump to have davis for a year you either get rid of griffin's contract or drummond's contract and then you just like yeah we have anthony davis for a year um why do the why do the pelicans do that they would just want the long-term they would security? just you would want i mean theoretically this would probably be for drummond you would just just being able to get a young center um you know, to have next to like Zion, for example, and like Drew Holiday, just to have some like actual team 
because I don't know. It doesn't seem like the, the Pelicans necessarily want to like once they have Zion like tank. Right. That's that's the thing that I don't think that many people have talked about in getting Zion is you don't necessarily want to be a 15 win team now next year and no. kind of expose him to that right away. Right. You know, I think I think they kind of want to skirt the line of you know you don't you don't want to bring back a Russell Westbrook type of player for Davis. You know you're not trying to get your hands on a, a guy who's on the decline, but I also don't think you're trying to just load up on picks and and you know bottom out next year right and that's kind of why i like the either getting like capella or drummond or just someone who's at least a you know mm-hmm. above a league average center to bring some stability to the roster around zion and obviously they still have drew holiday um stuff like that but i think that's kind of also why they entertain the idea of like trying to keep davis or convince him to stay because they actually think like no we can be really good well i mean that's the thing it's like they can say you know we'll trade you to you know, X destination, is that really going to be a better basketball spot for you than having Drew Holiday and Zion Williamson and, you know, the ability to add one or two other pretty decent free agents? Because if Zion is as good as as everyone thinks he is and the Pelicans think he is, you're basically getting a guy who would be valued at close to the max on a rookie deal, you know? So you kind of have this little window here, like, like having Patrick Mahomes, you know, where you don't have to spend a huge chunk of your cap on, on arguably your best player. Right. Um, what about Portland for Davis? I, I was I was looking around, but that I mean, I would they. You think they would trade McCollum or Nurkic? I think that to me is kind of the same scenario that you just laid out with Detroit, where you know, you're not getting this overwhelming superstar. You know, you're getting a player who's objectively worse than Davis by a pretty decent right. margin, and and with either one of those guys you named, but you're getting a guy who's a legitimate starter, a borderline All Star, who's going to keep you afloat and yeah. make you probably a contender for the seven or the eight seed. You know, you could probably talk yourself even into five or six next year. Fits with the roster. Right. I mean, like, you could, you could do worse than having Drew Holiday, CJ McCollum, free agent, small forward X, Zion Williamson, and then, you know, whoever else. Jaleel Okafor. Yeah. Jale- yeah. Right. Uh, Chris, <laughs> Christian Wood. Yeah. <laughs> Christian Wood, and, actually. I mean, if you're, yeah. And in that deal, you're probably, you know, you could easily demand Zach Collins in addition. You know, it wouldn't yeah. just be McCollum. You know, it would be McCollum, maybe Collins maybe Jake Lehman and a pick, you know, I mean, right. look at what the other teams are putting out there. Like if, if teams like Portland or Detroit or whoever want to get in on this, like you're not just going to be able to swoop in with a one for one, you know, you're going to have to beat out, even if the Lakers package isn't all that appealing, all of those decent assets together, you know, combined to, to be a pretty attractive package. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The other, other one I'll throw out is Sacramento. I looked at that one too, and they probably have to trade Bagley. Yep. Um, and I'm not sure what, like maybe Harrison Barnes. So Barnes, I guess in that scenario, you'd want him to opt in. I don't know how the, he has a player option for next year. You would probably need that because they have no other salaries above 8 million on the books for next year. Okay. So Sacramento, I think is probably a far-fetched free agency destination. You know, they're not getting any of the big guys, but yeah, you'd need like Harrison Barnes to opt in and then use that as the base for Davis unless right. you're combining a bunch of young players you know you'd need Bagley Bielitsa Bogdanovich but like you, those are not the words like would would you rather have a core package of Bogdanovich Bagley and Buddy Heald or Ball Kuzma Ingram like that's fairly comparable I think yeah I mean and I don't know that LA is going to be willing to put all three of those guys on the table again yeah I don't know I mean Bogdanovich is kind of older than he's like 28 right is he that old yeah I think he's I think he's older than people think. Yeah, I know he's a little. I thought he was like 25. Oh. He's he'll turn 27 in August. Oh, okay. So yeah. Um uh yeah, I mean Bagley, I'm really high on Bagley now even though I wasn't before. 
Um, and Buddy Heald's obviously a knockdown three-point shooter. I mean, yeah, if, you're, if they're trying to win now, then I think those guys would be the way to go. I still think the Lakers core is more upside, but you so. they're still they still haven't proven anything. Like, no, I I agree. Like it's it's discouraging to watch them, but like I'm not ready to give up on any of those guys by no. any means. I I th- there's part of me that thinks especially the more that we learn about this Lakers organization, that's like, how could you possibly succeed? You know, <laughs> right. like anywhere else would be better. And like, it's at least worth, you know, running it somewhere to see how they, how they, how they turn out outside of LA. So I, I still deep down, this is not just wishful thinking for LeBron. Like I still think the Lakers are probably the favorite right now, especially given the Kyrie, you know, all the talk all season was, well, just wait, you know, once the Celtics get in on this, the Lakers offer is going to be trumped. If Kyrie's gone, then the Celtics are out of this. Yeah, I'm you know? pretty and sure then, Kyrie's then it's, gone. Then it's the yeah. Lakers versus the field. And, you know, we're talking about offers that we're coming up with right now. We have no idea which team's going to throw their hat in. Denver, maybe? Yeah. I mean, what? Jokic Davis would be. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Um, but I just don't know what they would take back. I mean, what do you? who do you give up? I think you put anybody on the table but Jokic. So you Murray, give up Harris, Jamal Murray, the, would you I'd give up Davis, man? I think you, I think he, I think you have to do it. Take the shot. It's, I, I mean, think you he, would go in saying we're, we're going to win the title next year with Davis and Jokic and you know, they, Isaiah could come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying Monte it, like, Morris. I just, I just think you, it's Anthony Davis. Like he's that good. I know there's injury concern. Is that part of it for you that you're worried about injuries or is it not, more about the one year thing? Not that much. It's more about the one year thing for okay. certain teams. I, cause I don't feel like Denver has any reason to break up what they have now. I think, I think we still don't know the ceiling of that team. They, 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 they were the number two seed. Um, they got relatively far in the playoffs given that it was their first year together in the mm-hmm. playoffs. And I just think for the other teams I brought up, like there's clearly a wall that they need to get through and having Anthony Davis might help them break through that. And even if he leaves, it's not gonna be the worst thing in the world because that one year mm-hmm. it's it's exactly what why Toronto triggered for Kawhi. Exactly. It's the same exact reason. And which I is, think I think there's an argument to be made that that's going to prompt more teams to throw their hat into the ring on this. You know, there there yeah. are probably a lot of teams thinking we could have beat that offer for Kawhi. We just didn't even you know, we just didn't think it was worth it. We didn't trust like I think now it's like we're not making that same mistake twice. We're not we're not going to let two superstar rentals, quote unquote, hit the market. And you, you could even go back another summer with Paul George, where I remember where I was when I got we were at that uh, Madison Mallard's uh, baseball game when that <laughs> trade came through. I was like, this cannot be real. Yeah. And I mean, what do they give up? Sabonis and Oladipo. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, in retrospect, that trade has aged pretty well for both sides. But right. at the time, that was a gross underpay. And the Kawhi trade, you know, continues to look better and better for Toronto. And yeah, I, I just think there are teams that won't let that happen again this summer. Yeah. Uh, speaking of superstar guys on the market, Dwight Powell mm. uh, now expected to pick up his player option. I believe a couple weeks ago we we wrote some notes that he was he was gone, you right. know, kind of been underused. We wouldn't really blame him for wanting to leave. Like they've basically limited him to twenty minutes a game, despite <laughs> having no centers on the roster except for that half season of DeAndre Jordan over these last couple of years. But now he's expected to be back. I don't really want to talk about Dwight Powell at all, but I just want to know, like, what are your expectations for the Mavs going into next year? I mean, I think, uh, so are we assuming that Porzingis, should we just assume he's healthy? Like, yeah, I think, I mean, they, I, I don't want to bake into the assumption that like, well, maybe Porzingis plays 45 games or whatever. I think he, I mean, he could have come back for the last month of the season. So like, I think he's physically fully healthy. I guess if you want to, if you want to say you're worried that he re-injures it, that's fair. But I think in terms of his health for next season, like he's good to go. Okay. Um, 
I mean, I'm not sure there'll be a playoff team. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, Doncic is obviously really good. He's gonna be should be an All Star next year. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway. He's kind of had some injury issues lately. He's not really that efficient not of good. a player. Um, you know, like good things from Jalen Brunson, obviously. Um, Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba are they're okay, like center options, but. I mean, it's just it's a pretty shallow bench. I don't think they have any cap room to make any noise in free agency. If any they if they can noise. get off, they they have some room. I mean, for some reason Zach Randolph is on their payroll. Why would that be? Did he get did he get traded there this year? He, did, he? did we miss that? I don't know. He's listed on their on their hoopside payroll, but um, only for this past season. Next year they have, he he got traded in the. Uh, Justin Jackson. Ah, yes. Deal. Of course. Yes. Uh, Mavericks great. Zach Randolph. Um, so Courtney Lee's under contract for just under 13 mil. Um, Dwight Powell, assuming he opts in, is 10 mil. I don't, I mean, it, it kind of depends what they do with, with Porzingis, I guess, you know, in that long term extension, but that still wouldn't kick in until next year. It's like they should have room. I mean, we're not talking about max room, uh, especially because of the Hardaway contract, but that's part right. of the, the give and take with getting Porzingis was having to take back the. Thirty-seven million dollars, including a player option, remaining on his contract. I mean, they won. They won thirty-three games last year. So, I mean, if you assume Porzingis adds like five wins, plus Doncic gets better, you know, they have players. They're not tanking towards the end of the season. I assume like that. They're over under next year is going to come in at like forty-one, maybe. Do you think it's just going to be like? I think they'll set it higher than that, but it should be around forty. Yeah, like basically, just do you think they're going to be over or under five hundred? Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a reasonable expectation mm-hmm. as the team goes five hundred. I'm of the belief I love Porzingis, but I think he's a little overrated. I, I has he think... ever been in a good environment though? True, true. No, I I just think you know like people talk about him like the next Anthony Davis. Porzingis, like, I think he's yeah right. Yeah. Like he's <laughs> I don't know if the hype is ever there if he's drafted by the Kings or the jazz and not yeah. the Knicks, you know, I, I think he like his profile is bigger than his numbers would suggest. And again, like you said, terrible situation was never really in a position to win at all. Um, so we'll see. I mean, this is kind of going to be the referendum year, I think for him as to where his career goes. Right. Um, did want, I wanted to talk a little bit about Valanciunas, but we can push that. We're kind of short on time here. Team USA invites. I don't know how much you care about FIBA or the Olympics, but I, I love this stuff. I like to watch all those guys play together. I think yeah. it's really fascinating. It's super fun. Yeah. So if you don't follow this stuff that closely, the FIBA World Cup is this summer in China. That's end of August to mid-September. This is not the Olympics. This is right. like, this is generally the tournament. It used to be called something else. It wasn't always called the World Cup. It was like FIBA or something. I don't remember. Um, but this is where we've always sent the USA B team. So mm-hmm. even even when LeBron was like 28, he was not playing in this. You know, this is kind of the basically the tryout for guys who want to be on the actual Olympic team. Right. Um, so like no, you know, no LeBron, no Steph. Um, Davis and Harden are both are both going to play or at least try out for this. And obviously they'll make the team if they want. No Kawhi. Um, most most veterans, you know, no Clay those type of guys but the the list of invites real quickly so the the camp which is only runs like a week uh and then they they pare it down for a final 12-man roster to actually play in the tournament 18 guys are going to be invited to camp i believe we have 16 confirmed you can you can check my math on that as we go but uh the invitees as reported by uh adrian wozmarowski yesterday lillard mccollum beal love anthony davis harden eric gordon 
Tatum, Mitchell, Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Aldridge, Drummond, Kuzma, PJ Tucker, Harrison Barnes, and Paul Millsap is kind of iffy. There were some reports that he's expected to be invited, another kind of random name to throw into this, uh, but not someone who's played for Team USA before. So, um, you know, guys like Millsap, Aldridge, Brooke Lopez kind of stand out as, and Tucker especially, as like, why are these guys here? But I think we saw after like the failures in in 2004 especially more of an emphasis on adding like one or two guys like that you know not just a complete all-star team so yeah. having you know a super old jason kidd on the team having i think tyson chandler was on one of those teams yep. andre guadala was on one of them just having at least one of those guys i think has kind of been a point of emphasis for team usa like yeah drummond being on there like just for rebounding as right. a role player kuzma was actually a surprise to me that's very surprising yeah um but I feel like Rich Paul like got him on the team as a bargaining chip. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is this is looks like a fun team. Yeah. Um, and Lopez will be hilarious in my if he assuming he makes the team, just like shooting thirty footers, it'll look even more ridiculous yeah. with the international three point line. Um, but it's exciting to have. Right. I mean, all these guys be able to play together. They've typically gone light on big guys for these rosters, so I, I think there's probably three or four spots available between Davis, Love. Lopez, Aldridge, Drummond, and Millsap, assuming he's actually invited. So like two of those six aren't going. I feel like they like they wouldn't invite Lopez unless they were serious about it though. Like he's such a departure from all the other big guys on right. this roster. I think he's I would say he might almost be the most likely big guy to make it. I think other Love than is, like Love's been on the Olympic team. And like if you're on the Olympic team in the true. past, you're kinda in, I think. Yeah. And I believe Drummond has played FIBA before. I don't think he certainly has not played in the Olympics. Yeah. I doubt Davis is going to play. I kind of came up with a little list of quote unquote snubs, which it's hard to say because like we don't know who is asked and just declined, you know, like team USA would happily, if LeBron really wanted to play in (laughs) the FIBA world cup, they would let him play. But you know, who knows how many of these guys were actually asked. But um, the one, the biggest point is as I'm going through these teams, like making a list of guys like under 26, you know, who you'd think would be no brainers so many of the young great players in the league are international you know i yes. your carl towns you know you guys you even forget you know Embiid, guys who played american college basketball who don't qualify Giannis, obviously ben simmons um you know so many of those young guys just aren't eligible to play for team usa but i thought like given the guys that that made this list i thought like tobias harris seems like somebody who Could should have been, have been in there over Kuzma. yeah d'angelo russell spencer dinwiddie uh jonathan isaac or aaron gordon wouldn't have been shocking um yeah in fact i had to double check i just assumed it was aaron gordon not eric gordon oh, yeah. on, the, on the first list kemba walker there are a few yeah. veterans on there you know he's somebody though i would think they would ask if he, if he wanted to play he would be there right trey young um De'Aaron fox brandon ingram especially if you're inviting kuzma although who knows where he's at with that shoulder issue oh, that's true drew holiday and then for me maybe the biggest one and again there's a, a very good possibility he was asked but devin booker Devin Booker and Drew Holiday feel like guys that should be on this. Drew team. Holiday seems like the perfect like third guard for yeah. for a FIBA type of team. Yeah, um, we should also note Bagley or Bagley Zion has been invited. Unclear if he will join. Would, I would imagine he will. I don't see why nice. he wouldn't. Um, and then there's also a ten man select team. So basically, the C team that will scrimmage the guys who are actually invited to the camp as kind of like a pre pre invite for those type of guys um you know for perspective i guess 2024 olympics and the only three guys that we know are invited to that are zion bagley and john collins Hmm. 
So seven more invites are coming. It'll be very the, interesting to see who gets that call. The untouchable John Collins. Can we? Are we really going to call him that going forward? I'm okay with that. I'm fine, I'm fine with that. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else? You can wrap this up. No, I don't. All right. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.